On this podcast, we discuss medical diagnoses and procedures. All of the guests express their own opinions. You should always seek medical advice from a trained and credentialed professional when making decisions about your own health. Welcome to the Sleep Apnea Stories podcast. I'm Emma Cooksey and I've been coping with sleep apnea since childhood. I didn't know anyone in my life with a sleep disorder, so I decided to start this podcast. I'm here to build community and provide a platform for people with sleep apnea to tell their stories. Together, we can shatter stereotypes and raise awareness. We'll be exploring all sorts of treatment options and lifestyle choices to help you live your best life with sleep apnea. This is Sleep Apnea Stories, and I'm so glad you're here. Hi everyone, it's Emma Cooksey here, and I'm your host. So, the reason I do 10 episodes and then I take a break for a month is that by the time I get to the end of a season, I'm ready for a break. So here I am burning the midnight oil trying to get this episode finished. (laughs) So next Wednesday will be the last episode in this season and then I'll be off taking a break in July and I'll be back with new episodes in August. So I've already started recording those and there's some really interesting conversations that I think you're going to really like. If there's anybody out there who would like to come on the show and tell their story about their journey with sleep apnea, I'd love to talk to you. So my email is sleepapneastories at gmail.com. And you can also reach me on Instagram. It's at sleepapneastories. So on to today's conversation with Chandra Hartman. I really wanted to have Chandra on the show to talk about the palate expansion she did which um, helped with her sleep apnea to the extent that she no longer needs to use a CPAP and and she's breathing much better at night and it's all worked out really well for her. So what Chandra did is uh, the theory is called epigenetic orthodontics and it's extremely controversial. And it can't be overstated that neither Chandra nor I are dentists or doctors or you know any sort of medical professional we're two women who were coping with sleep apnea we're just talking about our experiences so without further ado here is my conversation with Chandra Hartman so hi Chandra thank you so much for joining me hey Emma thank you for having me on so just to tell everybody listening a little bit about how we met, <laughs> I, I kind of stalked you. I think it would be fair to say. <laughs> um, so I was looking into having um, some palate expansion. And one of the things I was considering was the Vivos um, like DNA and mRNA appliances, which we'll come on to talk a little bit more about. But what I was looking for was people who had been through that experience and just hearing more one-on-one from actual people um and so I found Chandra in a video online doing like a sort of 
patient story, I guess. Like, um, I think it was on some sort of Vivos website. Um, and you just seemed really normal and kind of like me. <laughs> so that's when I found you and I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and ask if it's okay to call you <laughs> and ask you questions. So I really appreciate you answering my questions. And my children were literally like, mom, you can't just call people off the internet. <laughs> but it turns out you can and it's all going to work out. So start off with where you are in the world. Uh, Northwest Florida, Panama City Beach. Right on. So, um, which we that advertisement you saw is it's a real advertisement, and I'm a real person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so did you want to start with just like when you first thought that you had issues with your sleep, or like were you a child, were you a teenager? What happened? Yeah, so I'll just do it real quick about my childhood, and then I'll skip to where. I knew I had a problem and then actually seeking treatment. So as a child, um, I had all your typical respiratory illnesses. I had severe allergies. I had asthma. You know, I was getting allergy shots every weekend. I was had chronic bronchitis, walking pneumonia, strep. I mean, those were recurring in my childhood. Um, so I always had respiratory issues. And, and then as I got older, probably when I was in my early 20s, I um, realized that I, I knew that I had sleep apnea. Like once it, you know, we started learning about it, hearing about it, I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I have that because I've fallen asleep at the wheel mm-hmm. a couple of times. Um, I've been told by partners that I would scare them at night because I wasn't breathing. So I did not go at that time in my life. I didn't have insurance. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I just (laughs) self-diagnosed myself. Um, but I also had a deviated septum. So I knew, you know, I had breathing problems in addition Mm -hmm. to my allergies. So you, had you been to like an ENT or anything about your deviated septum or you just had figured it all out yourself? Yeah. When I was a, when I was a kid, yeah, I was told Mm -hmm. that. So when I was little, of course I went you know, I was at the doctor. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. So how did, how did they treat, just to go back a little bit, like when you had all this recurrent bronchitis and were you just on antibiotics all the time? Yes. Yeah. Yes. At that time it was the eighties and yeah. they just stuck you on. I was yes. on, um, I don't even remember all the things that I was on. I was on four or five different kinds of medication, like continually mm-hmm. throughout my childhood. And I, it's horrifying to look back yes. now and think about what they gave me and they just gave it to me for years yeah <laughs> and didn't take me off of it yeah so you and didn't have insurance in your 20 in your early 20s right? right which I think is so common yeah I was living yeah. out on my own you yeah. know so uh at that time there wasn't the affordable care act so mm-hmm. you know insurance was private insurance was super expensive especially for someone who was just working a waitressing yeah. job and usually <laughs> I mean that's what I was going to say and usually tied to jobs and yeah. and not the kind of jobs people have in their early 20s right 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 so so I knew I had these health issues but I was really into um, natural health. I had been for a long time. Um, I was very well connected in my community with people who were um, owned a co-op and really into natural childbirth and homeschooling. Mm-hmm. So I was in this community of people that were, um, you know, practicing these different modalities and things. So I was really um, 
I felt like I was very healthy. Like I took very good care of myself. Mm -hmm. I felt like for the most part, yeah. <laughs> yeah. eating well, eating a diet that I thought was good at that time. Mm -hmm. And so as far as obviously like all of that stuff though, didn't really impact your sleep apnea, right? No. So I was able to actually get a lot of relief with my allergies and asthma when I mm -hmm. went to a traditional Chinese medicine doctor. Great. In fact, that changed my life. So that was in the mid nineties. Ever since then, I was able to get off my inhaler and all of those things that I, those childhood things I'd experienced pretty much stopped. So is that, so I've been to an acupuncturist who was trained in traditional um, Chinese medicine. And so did you do acupuncture or you did herbs or, or what exactly was it? I did both and I stuck with it. They told me it was going to mm -hmm. be a long process and yeah. it took me about three or four months going every week. And of course I didn't have insurance. So I paid right. out of pocket for that. And every week I, they'd send me home with a giant bag of herbs and I'd have to brew those up and I drank it religiously and um it it really changed my life that's that's wonderful to hear yeah that yeah. aspect of my yes okay. yeah so so that helped with your asthma and your sort of respiratory type issues yes um, yes but nothing for the sleep apnea yeah <laughs> right yeah so did you go so so at this point you kind of know that you have sleep apnea but you hadn't had a sleep test had you no okay no. so so maybe is the next part of the story maybe the sleep test sure yeah so you know i'm just going along with my life i know i have this thing going on and then somewhere in i think the early 2000s i find out about epigenetic orthodontics mm -hmm. and um it's kind of not surprising because it's kind of fits in with that whole natural mm -hmm. lifestyle. And I had found out about Weston A. Price, who they mentioned him in that book that you told me about. I yes. read that yes. book. Are we talking about James Nestor's book, Breath? Yes. 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 So he mentions Dr. Weston A. Price. So he mm -hmm. was a dentist back in the 40s and he studied indigenous cultures and found that when they were introduced to a western diet that their they got dental caries and their arches and their mouths you know um collapsed and yeah and uh, completely changed properly. the facial structures right yeah. which which is so like chandra you're so cool because you're so ahead of the curve because <laughs> i didn't know any of this most people like didn't know any of this until James Nestor's book. And then they're like, what do you mean? Like, this is crazy. But so you're saying you you first discovered some of that stuff like in the early 2000s. Yes. So I went back to school and I actually have a degree in sustainable community development. And at that, when I was at school, it's a very cool, hip, progressive school. Yeah. So there was a bunch of these WAF people there, WAF, Weston A. Price Foundation people. And yeah. I'm like, what is that? Like, I don't know what that is. And they're like, you've never heard of, you know, Dr. Price. And then I was like, no. And so basically he, he has a, like a cult-like following. Yes, yes. He's not alive anymore, but he has like a cult-like following of people yeah. who are really interested to traditional diets mm -hmm. and i had been and chewing hard things right what's that and chewing on hard things yes <laughs> yes and i had been a vegetarian for 
almost 20 years. I ate some meat, I will admit, because I craved meat like crazy. Mm -hmm. Like I could never get rid of that craving, but I was a very good vegetarian. Mm. (laughs) Like I made a lot of my own food. I grew my own sprouts. I juiced. I I did all the things the right way. And I still had a lot of health issues. Started reading about Weston A. Price and I was like, wow, this really makes sense. Like people eating food that's indigenous, you know, that's native to their climb or whatever, their bioregion and um, having better health. And I was like, God, that makes so much sense. And and then I also um, discovered some other things like the vegetarian myth. And I was like, I've been a vegetarian this whole time. And it is not, I am still suffering from migraines and I can't sleep at night Mm -hmm. and started gaining weight and all the things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, well, I'm not eating meat. And I'm telling, let me tell you, my life changed again, radically when I started eating meat again, introducing meat back into my diet. So when did that happen? Was that around that time? Could you want to just try and explain to everybody what epigenetic orthodontics is? Yes. So in Weston A. Price's studies, he found, now this was just for children, not for adults. Yes, that's right. So they found that with children, the palate was still very malleable in children, I guess under, I don't know, I don't remember 12, 15, 12, something. So they were able to actually do some experimental orthodontics and change these children's palates to expand and um, open up their airway and all those things. And then I stumbled across some dentists that were doing this with adults. So they found that, you know, doing this expansion, they could actually trigger, is it the stem cells in the body to your genes? (laughs) It's worth saying that neither Chandra or I are experts or dentists or medical professionals, but like it's from my experience, right? So to begin with, I read about epigenetic orthodontics and I thought it sounds kind of like a bit, it seems like they're saying that you can activate genes to try and fully express how your bones should have developed in your maxilla, essentially. That sounds like a very good explanation. Which I kind of am like, I mean, obviously I'm about to embark on this myself, so I'm really hoping that that's true. (laughs) But like, it's one of those things where they're, actually aren't like like it's worth saying that the traditionally trained orthodontist orthodontists in this country are either think that epigenetic orthodontics just makes false claims about what it can actually do and or they just some of them don't even believe any sort of palate expansion can work in adults just because that's what they've been trained right so there's definitely very strong views on all sides of this so we're just women with sleep apnea trying to make the right decision for ourselves (laughs) i think it's worth saying exactly yeah and i was reading the same thing as i was going i was like god this sounds so cool and i started seeing like stories online and then my uh, critical self kicked in and was like, wait, is this real? Like, is right. this really real? Because now there's, I used to come across doctors that say this is just quackery. Right. Uh, or dentists that say it's quackery. But yeah. I, 
I don't know. I was really intrigued by it. And I, I came across a couple of stories that I was like, I, I felt really strongly like this could really possibly help me. Yeah. But do you want to, so, so just to kind of also explain to people why the width of your palate has an impact on how you breathe. And it's worth just saying that the roof of your mouth, so your palate at the roof of your mouth, and when it develops like me and Chandra's, which she's about to explain, um, and is very high and arched um, and not wide, the the roof of your mouth is kind of like the floor of your nose almost. If you imagine widening out the that sort of narrow space and making it wider then it gives you more space in your nasal cavity and that's kind of like one of the ideas behind it so i want chandra can you just talk about what (laughs) happened when you were a teenager having orthodontic work yes absolutely uh so back in the 80s very typical i had um i went to the orthodontist i had uh an overbite Mm -hmm. um malocclusion and the typical thing to do at that time they removed four bicuspids one in each quadrant me too trying not to to interrupt you but same so common right yeah so common and then um later in my 20s my wisdom teeth came in and of course i had all four of those pulled out two that were uh, impacted so I think I, I think I'm being a lot more reserved than when we talked on the phone when I was going oh my god that happened to me too <laughs> well it's so cool to it was just super cool to connect with you too yeah. like yeah just, and it's worth yeah. saying so when they take out those teeth they just kind of like that's what happened with me they they pulled out teeth because they said there was no room so rather yeah. than doing expansion <laughs> at that point they just put you in like regular train track braces and everything kind of gets pushed back tightly together and, and your teeth are straight at yes. least for a while. Traditional orthodontists who uh, would say that there's absolutely no evidence that the orthodontic work that we both had having teeth extracted and can can lead to airway problems but I think that the evidence to the contrary of that that it really does have a negative impact on your airway is mounting to the point that nobody can really deny that there's something going on I think I think so too yeah I mean yeah (laughs) so you had your wisdom teeth out right and my teeth were perfectly straight at this point all the way up through my mid-20s and then they started to shift radically same time I'm having the sleep apnea Mm -hmm. um and then also around this time I started having clicking in my jaw um so and then T- that led TMJ, to like back here it was clicking in. and was it sore clicking. as well very sore very yes. painful I went through a period of time where probably several months where I wasn't able to eat solid food oh gosh and just having to like push my jaw and uh into place and after a while it just stopped but mm-hmm. I'll tell you what happened after that I noticed a drastic dish uh, difference in my face like my jaw was set back um, and my teeth were starting to shift hmm. and I still had sleep apnea. <laughs> right. So, so the, the TMD or, or TMJ pain like kind of resolved itself, but then you noticed changes in your face. 
Yes. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. So it's almost like your jaw kind of moved and then that was relieving the pain, but changed the shape of everything. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I do have to tell you, I, I never did seek treatment for that either because my, at that time, my aunt had just gone through treatment with that. And what they did, the treatment was they broke her jaw and then wired her mouth shut. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> no. I think I'll pass. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so once I found out about the the epigenetic orthodontics, mm -hmm. I was I was trying to figure out a way to get this done. And at this point in my life, now I have insurance, mm -hmm. and now I'm starting to see that oh, this is possibly not just a dental. I didn't have dental insurance, so I was thinking this is a health issue. Who has dental insurance, Janet? Right? I mean, Who has I dental never insurance? <laughs> So anyways, I'm like, okay, I guess I have to go to a big city because I'm looking around. I look for people in Orlando and Tampa and yeah. Miami. I'm in, you know, Florida. So I even looked up in Atlanta and I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to go to one of these cities yeah. if I want to actually do this. Like how logistically is that going to work? Because I know it's a long-term. Yeah. It's a commitment. Yeah. <clears throat> so I just didn't even really I just kind of dropped it after that I was like okay well whatever it's probably something I could never going to be able to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> unless I move <laughs> and um and then I just made an appointment this is the craziest thing is literally within a, a few months after going down this rabbit hole I made an appointment with a new dentist in town right here on the beach and I go in her office and she's got a little pamphlet there it's talking all about epigenetic orthodontics and I'm like Carry well on. this was uh, I had to go back and read some of my notes I actually wrote a little blog I started this I did document the early stages of it so you can go back and read it yeah I would love to do that but yeah I went back I was like oh yeah I actually did a pretty good job documenting my pro my you know, yeah. the whole treatment plan except the end I didn't do a good well she comes right in and she, you know I'm a new patient and she's looking in my mouth and she's like I think that you should have a sleep study because I think you might have sleep apnea and I'm looking at your mouth and I do you, I want to tell you about it. And I'm like, you don't have to tell me anything. I know all about it. <laughs> and here, and here's the thing, Chandra, like what a different world we would live in if every single dentist looked in your mouth, saw all of those signs and was able to say, I think you need a sleep study. Right. Yeah. Because it's so, like, especially for people like us, it's so obvious. Like, you can see all the, I mean, I had absolutely everything going on. Like, the teeth grinding, the, or, like, clenching so they could see the wear on my teeth. They just wanted to try and sell me, like, a, you know, splint or whatever. And I was like, no, I'd rather get to the root of what's actually going on. <laughs> like, I, I had, like, the size of my tongue looked weird, like you know, my, my arch is just textbook, like so narrow and so high and vaulted, like, but no dentist, those, all those years ever said anything about it. So imagine if every dentist was like that, it would just change the world. This episode of Sleep Apnea Stories is sponsored by Mute. Regardless of whether you have sleep apnea, use a CPAP machine, or just deal with allergies and congestion, you deserve a good night's sleep.
Mute is here to help make that happen. A nasal dilator made from ultra-soft medical-grade polymers, Mute gently holds your nasal airways open, which increases airflow by an average of 38%. And that 38% improvement means more breathing, less snoring, and better sleep for you and your partner, or kids, or dog. The quality sleep your body wants and needs is well within reach. Breathe more, snore less, sleep better with Mute's comfortable and customizable fit. So, so you were like, I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, yes. I was so excited. I couldn't believe it. I didn't even care how much it cost. I was like, sign me up. <laughs> like we talked a little bit about the kind of theory behind epigenetic orthodontics, but like, can you explain to us like what the treatment plan was over time? Like, like how many appliances did you have? What did they look like? How do you wear them? That kind of thing. Sure. So I'll start with that appointment, that first appointment. Um, uh, she sent me home. I had to have a, had, did the sleep study, which I was dying to do anyway. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what it's How old about. were you when you first had that sleep study? 45. Okay. <laughs> and that was your first ever sleep study, even though that you knew you had sleep apnea the whole time. Yes, that was my first okay. one, my very first one. Um, she's like, I think you have sleep apnea, you know, and it was, even though I didn't look like a typical person who you would think has sleep apnea, you know, I wasn't, oh, I, know. <laughs> I didn't have diabetes. I didn't have high blood right. pressure. I mean, I literally had nothing wrong with me. I mean, right. you know, so, um, the sleep study came back and my, I think it's called AHI. Yeah. Hypopnea yeah, yep. or Yeah incidences yeah uh, was 41 mm -hmm. and so you were I stopping breathing for 10 seconds or more 41 times an hour yes so you weren't getting very much quality sleep no she said my REM sleep was uh, about five percent and I think 20 percent is normal for like restorative restorative sleep yeah so <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> I know, but did you, was so completely how did you feel, blown away. how did you feel hearing that? Like, did you feel some sense of, like, that almost makes me want to cry just because did you feel some sense of, I've been struggling with this all this time and someone's finally telling me, like, you do suffer from this and, you know, it's serious. Yes, it was, uh, for me, it wasn't surprising. Mm-hmm but it was a great confirmation and somebody else who was sitting in front of me, like in complete shock, like you need help. Like yes. this is serious. This yeah. is a serious problem. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm the one I'm living exhausted. with it. Like, yes. I think in my uh, video that you saw, yeah. I explained how I pr pretty much spent my whole life. I was just exhausted. Yeah. And I'm a type A high achiever. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of things. I work really hard. I've always had multiple jobs, going mm -hmm. to school, raising a child, blah, blah, blah. So being tired, I just felt like that was just part of my life, you know, yeah. but it really was the sleep apnea. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we're about I've to find that out. It was the sleep apnea. 
now did you get put on a CPAP at that point? Yeah, she said, we're putting you on a CPAP right away. So, and, and of course, I'm like, I'm not sleeping with that thing. Like, and I told her, I said, how long do I have to sleep with this? Like, how quickly are we going to get through this process? I was like, I'll commit. I can do it for a small period of time, but I'm not sleeping with this thing for the rest of my life. So you it, said, I'll do it if it's for a period of time. Said how, how long did she estimate that your treatment would take? Uh, about two years, but she wanted me to use the CPAP for six months. Okay. And I said, I will do it. I can do that. Mm-hmm. And I went home and I put that thing on and I had the best sleep in my life. I mean, it helped. The CPAP helped immediately. Mm-hmm. So people who are sitting on the fence about getting a CPAP. Just it, do it. It can change your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, and after experiencing that, I was like, okay, like I need this. Yeah. You know, I need, I need treatment or whatever. You need oxygen in your brain, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I wore that, um, for, for the six months and, uh, okay. So, so then they do all the tests cause they want to measure and because this is kind of n- still considered relatively new, she wanted to document everything. And because she goes around teaching other people, mm-hmm. she like, you know, they measured my face, they did the 3d x-ray I don't yeah know like a ct scan i just went through this and i was like what no. and did, so did they show you an actual picture of your airway with yes. the ct scan yeah and yes. so what did what did your airway look like it was super restricted i mean really narrow not only that my palate my lower jaw and upper jaw were so narrow i think the um I was reading the millimeters between the back molars should be between 38 and 42 mm-hmm. and mine was 30. I also have tori uh, mandibularis, if I'm saying that correctly. That's where you have bone growth in the bottom of your mouth. Okay. And you can see that on my blog. I have a picture of that. Okay. That's actually really common. And the first time I noticed it, I thought I had like cancer, like mouth cancer. Like and then I just... Yeah, it's just bone growth in the bottom of your mouth. But what it does is it lifts the tongue up so the tongue can't rest in the bottom of the mouth. And, oh, I forgot about this. My teeth only touched in like two two places in the back by this point. They had shifted so much from when I had braces. I could not even eat a sandwich or eat pizza without a fork. So anyways, back to the treatment. So they gave me... um, can't remember if it was a DNA appliance or an mRNA appliance. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to remember the difference between the two at this moment. So, so I, I had think, several appliances. Okay. <laughs> and about five so, or six, so, so from what I've seen, like the DNA appliance is one piece that sits in your upper palate, which works to expand your maxilla. And then the mRNA well they do have a version with wings that can be used as a mandibular advancement device for sleep apnea but it also works to expand your upper and your lower jaws that's kind of what i'm okay that's right so i had a dna appliance first because i didn't want to overwhelm me because this is a lot of stuff going on in your and you're doing your cpap for the first time and it's a lot yeah yeah and you're and you're expected to wear these appliances at that time it was four to 14 to 16 hours a day but because I was paying so much money for it out of pocket, I was like, I'm wearing this thing. <laughs> yeah. Say, yeah. 
I, I'm like totally all in. I'm like, oh, ready I to... was all in. Yeah. yeah. And I actually had a, 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 someone I knew who was also seeing the doctor um, shortly after I started. And um, he was complaining a lot about how uncomfortable it was and how he could never wear it. And, and, and it was kind of uncomfortable, but you know, I just went all in and just did it. And I saw, I saw the results, right. You know, and that's really what you have to do when yeah. you commit to something like this. So <laughs> tell us about, so with the DNA appliance, are you going back all the time to the dentist to have it adjusted? Are you adjusting it yourself? How does that work? Yes. So the, with the DNA appliance, I had a little key. So I was able to turn the key in the appliance and I was supposed to do that every, I think, five to seven days, something okay. like that. Um, there becomes a point in time where it, uh, it kind of becomes unseated in your mouth. So like every two weeks you have to go back and then they, just like an orthodontics, they like adjust all the little wires and okay. make sure it gets seated back in your mouth properly. Okay. Um, but I would continue to do the key, turn the key on my own. Okay. <clears throat> and they, but you were seeing the dentist a bunch. Oh, every two weeks. And, it, and you felt it working, right? That it expanded your maxilla. Uh, yeah. So the first week, first two weeks, um, your teeth do start to feel a little bit loose. Like you can mm -hmm. tell something's happening. And for me, I was all of a sudden, my right nostril became clear and I could breathe through my right nostril for the first time in my entire life and that's early on with, with two this. weeks wow I'll that's amazing maybe that'll be me in two weeks i know <laughs> yeah so, so then you was... got to the end of the dna and then you did the two you did the mrna next yes and then i had both mm -hmm. and that is a lot of and you were still doing the CPAP or you stopped with the CPAP? Still doing the CPAP. So I did that for about, I think I did the CPAP for six months. I don't think I did it more than that. She actually, I had another sleep test and she was like, you can, you can use it or not use it. You're doing great. You know, you're progressing. And, um, and I could tell the difference. Like I was already starting to sleep better. That's great. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had several appliances. Like I said, okay. I think I went through about five different appliances okay. and, uh, toward the end, I just had a, um, I was just looking, I had a, what's called a Crozat, uh, which is just a wire. It's kind of mm -hmm. like more people think of like a retainer. Type yeah. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. So then when did you finish treatment? I finished treatment, um, around the end of, okay. So I finished with all of those kind of more wiry adjustable appliances, mm -hmm. probably around 2017. Okay. And toward the end of 2017. And then I went to the Vivos at the very end of my treatment. Okay. So, and she was moving toward Vivos too. I think, I mean, I, I guess you, I guess so, my understanding so before that you just did, did regular palate expanders or yes I just okay. had the DNA the mRNA and then I had the Crozat and uh and then the Vivos at the end okay so I thought Vivos made the DNA and the mRNA I think that they do but she had not gone to Vivos company yet okay got it 
until the end of my treatment. So, Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I think she was like, experimenting with different yeah. things, and she had a um, she had a uh, what do they call them? That she had a uh, someone in house that made the that's amazing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So since 2017, when your treatment was completely over, so are you still wearing uh, some sort of retainer or? No, I don't. I did wear the Vivo Supplies. So the Vivo Supplies was um, what I would consider, it was kind of like a finishing appliance and more like a retainer type okay. thing. And it was all... Um, I don't know what kind of material is like a rubbery. Kind I, of yeah, I've, I've seen people with the, okay. So that's yeah. what you had last. And then yeah. tell me about how you were feeling like and how you were sleeping. And so, so you're not using the CPAP anymore at that point. You're finished with everything. And so tell me how your life has changed and how you feel. My life changed drastically and it was before the two years were up I mean it didn't take two years it was it was changing as I was wearing the appliance and probably around after a year a year and a half I it was a remarkable change in my uh, energy level um, my sleep my activity my ability to actually do exercise. Like I couldn't even really, even though I was an, a very active person, I really thinking about starting an exercise program was like, yeah, that's, and I actually started um, practicing martial arts in 2016. So that was in the middle of my treatment. Mm -hmm. And I never, I never could have done that before. I would not have had the stamina to do it. Mm -hmm. So um, that was. And that what was about, so, so what did your husband say about like, cause he was noticing you gasping and, and all that stuff at night before. Yeah. Right? So what did he notice? Uh, less snoring. So I still yeah. snore a little bit, but way less and yeah. no, you know, not the gasping anymore, unless I eat really bad. Like we talked about. Right. <laughs> me and Chandra, like, I mean, I love me some wheat and dairy and like, love me some pizza and beer pizza and beer but it does not love us back no it does not <laughs> like at all that's such so wonderful i'm so pleased for you that that it worked out so i'll just tell you about the end so i did wear the appliance even after they told me i didn't have to anymore and the main reason i did was because it kept my mouth together at nighttime mm -hmm. And, um, I, since then I don't wear it. I haven't been wearing it for about a year, but I do mouth taping. So. Okay, great. Yeah. We talked a bit about that. Like yeah. mouth taping has been really helpful for me too. Um, it is really helpful. I know people think it's crazy, but it's, I it don't is... think it's crazy. I think people think it's crazy <laughs> till they try it. And then they're yeah. like, Oh, I feel much better. And my mouth's not dry. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. Like, I think it's one of those things that sounds crazy till you do it. And then you're like, oh, why have I not been doing this the whole time? So I have to make a conscious effort not to be a mouth breather because I've been right. a mouth breather my whole life. Right. And my mouth falls open at nighttime and I don't, yes. I don't know how to correct that. Right. So, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's still an ongoing, like I'm doing much, much better, especially since I have my phrenectomy but like oh you had a phrenectomy uh -huh. so my I can now actually like when I wake up in the morning my tongue's resting on the roof of my mouth so I feel oh, less yeah. <laughs> like I was talking to my husband about it and uh 
I feel less panicked all the time. <laughs> like I think just having your your tongue on the roof of your mouth all the time and breathing through your nose is kind of the way you're supposed to breathe and and like it just is much more calming right so I think like now that I'm starting and I'm still working on it I'm still not quite there but the more that I can have my tongue rest at the roof of my mouth the the calmer I feel yeah mm. and I do feel like I mean it's tricky because obviously I'm still doing the CPAP still got sleep apnea but I do think I am overall sleeping better. Oh, that's good. My sleeping and like try, trying to, you know, like I've been waking up with my tongue at the roof of my mouth, which feels better. And that never happened before I had my phrenectomy because my tongue just literally couldn't get there. <laughs> oh, wow. No matter what I did. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was, did you end up with crazy gappy teeth? And because uh, they look totally normal. <laughs> um yes there was a period of time during the treatment when I developed a really big gap in the front of my mouth and um at that time it was kind of cool and hip to have a gap in the front of your mouth so I was like oh, okay whatever I guess if I have to have this but no I really didn't want it yeah <laughs> and they were like well you had those four teeth pulled you know and we're not sure if we're going to be able to you know now that your palate's expanding, it's obvious it's expanding. You have all this room now. Room, right. I was able to floss easier, all the things, you know. Um, but eventually they just settled back into together. Forgot to ask you, yeah, are there any silver linings to your journey with sleep apnea? Did anything good come out of the fact that you had sleep apnea? I got to meet you. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> so kind. <laughs> Um, I think just feeling like this, like it really changed my life, like the treatment. So I, I think just feeling, um, like I have a, this renewed sense of, of life. I know that sounds crazy. I said that in my ad and it wasn't exaggerating. It's very true. Yeah. You go from being exhausted all the time to all of a sudden feeling like you have energy. Yeah. Your perspective. Are you struggling with your CPAP? Did you get sent home with the new CPAP machine, but little introduction or explanation on how to use it? Do you feel alone and frustrated as you pull your mask off in the middle of the night? I have just the thing for you. I put together an online course called Mastering Your CPAP. It's a video series where I talk you through all of the things I wish I'd known when I first started CPAP therapy 13 years ago. Um, I learned everything the hard way, and so I put everything into this video series so you don't have to struggle like I did. To sign up for the course, go to sleepapneastories.com and click where it says CPAP course. That's sleepapneastories.com and then click on CPAP course. Thanks so much for listening. I love hearing from you. If you'd like to be featured in an upcoming episode, please email me at sleepapneastories at gmail.com. 
That's also the place to get in touch if you just want to say hi or ask a question. Alternatively, you can always reach me on Instagram. My handle there is at sleepapneastories. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. This really helps a wider audience to find the episodes, and I really appreciate it.